Thanks for joining us on the Church of the Lakes podcast, where we inspire life, share life, and give life. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at cotlakes.com. We'd love to connect with you. Now, let's go to the message. We're going to spend this month on a series called Love Well. Because love is a great idea, so you have to do it. Right? And so I want to talk, and we're going to spend a few weeks talking about relationships. And, and it's interesting because I'll explain something to you. Some, some of the older folks are not social media people, but there's this place on, on social media where you can put your relationship status, and it says, it's complicated. And I was thinking about that, and I thought, I think we can all do that relationship status. You know, you think about family members different people, maybe you're going through a season with one of your kids right now, and you're not connecting and you're trying to do all that, and you're battling a little bit, or whatever, I mean, we all go through these different things, and I was thinking, man, sometimes it feels like a lot of our relationships are complicated, and then other times, like, things are pretty copacetic, and then, bam, out of nowhere, something happens, and like, what happened, why, how are we in this place, is it just me, or anybody else relate to that? Yeah, so, Let's talk a little bit about relationships, because I think the reason that our relationships get complicated is because we choose to do them outside of the way God designed it. And I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of doing it Mike's way. Matter of fact, C.S. Lewis is quote, Human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. Isn't that true? So true. So I want to look, because in the first time I started Romans 1 today, and then we've got a passage in Genesis that's going to be our main passage today. But let's look at this Romans, Romans 1, 21 says this. They knew God. Now, now what's interesting about that is they knew God. They, they knew of God. And some of us know of God. We have ideas about God, but it says, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. Man, Google some doctrinal idea on the internet and see how many ideas you get. Right? They begin to make up ideas of what it was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They treated the truth about God for, what's that word? A lie. So my goal in this series is to dispel some worldly lies and to look at God's truth. In the end, you're going to have to make your own decision. And I'm, I'm, we're going to present some truths over the next few weeks today and over the next few weeks. But each one of us individually has to make a choice. We're going to have to make a choice what we do with those truths. Will I submit to what God says, or will I do it my own way? In order for a relationship to work, you've got to let the one who designed them define them, right? But how insane would it be for me to buy a Honda? And I bought a Honda from one of the creators of Honda. Then I look at him and go, I'm not going to drive it. He goes, what? That's kind of what it was created for. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I've got this vision for it. It's going to be an excessively effective paperweight. And he would look at me insanely, just as you would look at me insanely if I was serious about that, because it's not the way it was designed. Right? And in, in, in our human history, 
history, our story that, that C.S. Lewis was talking about there, and my story, and probably your story. It's a whole history of us trying to do a relationship in our own way, the way we think it should go, only to find ourselves in an unhealthy place. Right? Only to find ourselves in a place where we go, how did I get here? And so I, I really want to dig in just a little bit. I'm going to preach a little bit today. Is that okay? I'm going to dig in a little bit today. And here's what I want to say to you. First off, I love you. I love you. And if you choose, quote, unquote, badly, or you choose outside of what God will, I'm going to love you anyway. But I have to because I love you so much. Present some things today that might actually rub us a little bit wrong. Some things that might actually dig some things out that we don't really want to dig out or consider inside of us, but it's so healthy for us to do that. So I believe that God designed us and he designed relationships. And if that's true, we've got to let him define them. The problem is that we have an enemy that Jesus, over and over, do you know what the most common name that Jesus has for our enemy, the devil, or Satan, do you know what the most common name Jesus calls him? Liar. Liar. Matter of fact, that's what I want to use today. See, the, the world of Satan is going to whisper something, something, maybe shout sometimes, some ideas at you. And this is the only power that Satan of this world has. Catch this. This is power. The only power that Satan has over you is suggestion. The question is, will we eat it? Which is what we take it. Or will we replace the suggestion with something that God says that is actually true? So I want to go all the way back to the beginning. Our main, our main verse is going to be in Genesis. We're going to go to Genesis 3. Because if we're going to look at relationship, or we're going to look at it in the way that God has designed it and what he might say to us, we've got to go back to the beginning. Because how many of you know there's no such thing as a healthy relationship until you have a healthy relationship with God first? Right? It's got, it's got to start with God first. Like we've got to have a vertical relationship. And then our horizontal relationships get healthy. Right? It's going to start there. So I want to go all the way back to Genesis. Because in the exchange between Eve and the serpent, or Eve and Satan, there are five lies that I think we can look out today and that you and I need to address in our own lives. Five lies that are leading us down paths that are unhealthy in the way that we do relationship not only with God, but also with each other. Let's dig into Genesis 3. Here we go. Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, now remember, let me set the scene if you don't know the story. You're standing at the tree. It's the one tree they're not supposed to eat. Right? But Satan is now tempting Adam and Eve, and Adam was standing there. Right? One of my own personal little doctrinal arguments is, I believe the first sin was apathy. In other words, Adam was standing there and he said nothing. Come on, guys. Isn't that one of our biggest issues? Is that we'll stand there and say nothing and just let a letter take care of it. Right? And so he's having this exchange not with Adam as it should be, but with Eve, right? And the serpent is more crafty and he says this. Did God really say? There's your first lie. We're going to get into it in just a moment. But did God really? Come on. Really? Really? Doesn't God realize that we're in a modern era now? Isn't that, isn't that kind of old thinking? Isn't that kind of fundamental? Did God really? 
Really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the fruit of the trees of the garden. And the other one, she's going, No, that's good. And, and like, like in, her, in her sort of confused innocence, it's like, Oh, that's good. And he said, We can eat from all these trees. She just these are great trees, right? But God did say, You must not eat the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, or you must not touch it, or you will die. We often talk about the fact that she says, Touch it. That was not necessarily part of the command. And we say, Eve is confused. Have you ever thought about the argument that maybe Adam came because Adam got the command, not Eve, so he had to tell her the command? I wonder if Adam went, right, look, we're not supposed to eat from the tree. And don't even touch it. You ever thought about that possible perspective? You must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it and you will die. Here comes Adam and I. will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, For God knows, here comes another one, God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open. Your eyes are going to be open, and you'll be like God. Knowing good from evil, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, and he was with her, and he had it. There he is, right? Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together, here comes, and made coverings for themselves. Well, we're going to push this out just a little bit. Shame and hiding. It is where so many people find themselves today. So many of us sitting here today, we're doing a job with a smile on our face. Sunday morning, amen, hallelujah. But inside, shame, hiding, masks to cover, and I sure hope they don't see what's really going on in my life. Am I going to find things in this world to get involved with so that I can hide and not deal with what's really going on inside of me? And today we're going to deal with these lies. That we've, uh, and I pray that the Holy Spirit brings you a little conviction today in certain areas. Because I think all of us still battle with these same five lives. We still battle with these same five things on a daily basis. God comes to seek them out. That's the, that's the good news. Now, you might feel a little conviction today. The Holy Spirit might make you feel a little heavy. And here's what I need you to hear the rest of the story that we're not going to read, but I'm going to tell you real fast. Is even in their shame and even in their hiding, what does God do? He comes after them. Right? Thank you that you pursue. And, and that's what I need you to hear this morning. And even if the Holy Spirit brings a little bit of conviction in your heart today, even if you've got to feel something, I want you to hear God going, yo, yo, whoa, hey, hey, well, I, want, I, I still want a relationship with you. But this is not one of those, we find your bad stuff and we go, yep, you're terrible, get out. Right? That's not the call of who our Father is. It's that He, he wants to bring stuff out. Not so that he can kick us out, but so that he can clean out. Right? Clean out my heart that I might be healthier in the way that I do things. He's a good father pursuing you because he still loves you. So, I know this is going to be kind of a heavy teaching class, so I thought, you know, I'm going to throw a little joke in just real quick, give you a chance to laugh for a second. So, here's a little joke I found. I was thinking about the calling thing. I was thinking about earlier, I promised you if you're a first time guest that we don't do the show at your house thing. But there was a church that did that, right? And this pastor, he goes to the church, honey, to the lady's house, walks on the door, she doesn't answer. What is it happen? I'll leave in his car, 
in the, in the door. But he thought it would be cute and thought it was quite funny, so he decided, you know what? I'm going to leave a little funny and see if she's got such a humor. He grabs a blank piece of paper, just a little scrap piece of paper, and he writes on the one side this verse out of Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Before I, anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him, in, in and eat with him, and he with me. And he's got kind of chuckle about he's so funny. You know, a little silly pastor joke. One of the ladies of the count team comes to him after Sunday morning. Says, Pastor, I found this piece of paper in the office. And I, 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 I don't understand. Do you know what this means? And he looks at the piece of paper and it's got his verse on it. He turns it over and there's a verse written on the back. It says, Genesis 3.10. I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. <laughs> That's why I have a good video. That's why. So there's your joke for the day. <laughs> but this Genesis passage gives us lies. It gives us lies. That the enemy is trying to sell to us. He's trying to sell to our kids. It's coming through social media. It's coming so many outlets that we've got to pay attention. See, because the first one, the devil wants to get you to question what God says. Or to question God's word. The lie looks like this. Lie number one is, God's word isn't totally true. I mean, that was, that was 2,000 years ago, right? I mean, that can't be current. That, that, that's like old school. That's a, and so what we see within our culture today is even Christians trying to see how they can find loopholes in God's Word so that we can tie it to the current culture. Are you hearing? It's a lie. It's a lie from the depths of hell. That is, that is not seeing. We say something like, well, that might have been true back in their culture, but not today. Today, things are different. And, and now we've got science. And now we've got all these things. Well, or some of us just have yeah, but syndrome. Right? Like we, like we make some statement that the scripture says, and we go, yeah, yeah, but I just, you know, or I feel, or I think. And we've really got to be careful. God's word, God's word is supposed to be contrary to the way you feel. You realize that? Like some of you, some of you actually don't realize God's word is actually supposed to be confrontational to you. And what I mean by that is we're all sinners. We're all jacked up. Look at your neighbor to the left. Look at your neighbor to the right. Those are some jacked up folks. I mean, they look good. They might smell good. But listen to me. We're all sinners. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are all stuck inside of us. Well, if you take a sinner who's doing something outside of the way the designer designed it, and you bring the instruction manual and you compare, you're going to find problems, correct? That's, that's, it's, it's supposed to be confrontational. Like, like, <laughs> okay, correct. Every time I read something like, it's just to love everybody. Somebody, don't lie. And I feel like a three-year-old. Because I read it, and my first thought is, no. Right? Listen, the, the word of God is, is, is confrontational to, to who we are. The whole battle of becoming mature in our journey with Christ is submitting to God's ideas. 
It's a sufficient thing. It's not just, he's not just our Savior that he gets us into heaven. He's our Lord and he's in charge. Now what he says goes. Look at First Thessalonians 2 and 13. We also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Did you know you can receive the word but not accept it? You can come to church every single Sunday and hear ideas. But then the scripture says to us, don't be hearers of the word, be doers of the word, right? In other words, it's like the Bible says, I'm just going to tell you about myself, the Bible. If you read me, but don't do what I tell you, it's going to be of no good to you. It's just going to be an idea. And so Satan just wants to go, it's not totally true. And what I need you to understand in here is the Bible is not a buffet. You can't just take the parts you like and leave the rest. It's an all-or-nothing scenario that God is right and He is true. And I, I love, I love this quote from Pastor Tim Keller. If your God never disagrees with you, you might be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. No, it doesn't appear to all. Right? If we buy into the idea that God is not totally truthful, then it's easy to buy in when the devil now scoffs at the negative consequences of sin. Come on, are you tracking with me? You see, what happens when these lies is they build on each other. We get deeper and deeper, further and further away from God, which is our enemy. I think that's his goal. Satan doesn't really care if you worship him. He just wants you to get as far away from God as possible. He just wants it to be as, as, as seem as fun and seem and, and, and just give you these little ideas. And so now, once we get to the place where we go, it's not totally true. The next step in that is for us now to look at the consequences of sin and go, you know. And line number two says this. That choice, it won't hurt anything. That, 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 come on, it's not hurt anyone. You can... You can eat that, drink that, smoke that, however, 13, 14, and 12. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Listen to me, it may not be physical death. It may be death of your marriage. It may be death in your lives of your children. It may be death in your finances. It may be death in your relationships. But it brings death. I don't feel the pressure that I used to feel as a young pastor. As a young pastor, I can remember a time when I got so frustrated because I'm like, I want these kids to get it. And I want them to get it. And they're, they're not responding. And they're not getting it. They don't understand the consequences are going to be on their life. And I, I was just this young, you know, fired up. And honestly, I don't get that way anymore. Because here's what I know. You'll be, you'll be back. You'll be back. I'd rather you not come back with all the scars and the shame and the stuff. But you'll be back. Because there's nothing out there that's going to satisfy your heart. There's nothing that this world has to offer. Nothing that's going to have long, lasting, pure happiness, joy, and contentment. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? It's all it's all temporary, but, but man... And so we've got to have some parameters to our passions. I love fire. Anybody else? 
I could stand at a campfire and just stare at that fire and lose myself. You know what I'm talking about? I love when the, the church, actually some of you guys came and built the fire pit in our backyard. There's a blessing for me one year. And we love sitting at that fire pit and just staring at the fire. But it's interesting because, and I thought about this, there's no other more creative way to say this. But for those of you who have one, which is sort of weird in Florida, but for those of you who have one, we have this thing in our house, and, it, and it's so creative in the name. You know what? We need a place to put fire. Fireplace. That's brilliant. Right? But listen, you would never, ever like go, you know what? Let's have dinner tonight and let's have a fire. And start the fire in the middle of the dining room table. Listen, there's a place where that is put. And what we've come to a place because we buy these lies, because the lie is, eh, it's not totally true, and the consequences, eh, you know, they're probably not going to be so bad, is we have no problem lighting fires outside of the fireplace in our lives and in our relationships. Well, then we are floored when the living room burns down. Right? When we're at this point, and what I'm pouring you and I hope you understand today is listen to me. God is real and sitting on his throne and sovereign and in charge of all things. And he has a certain way that he has designed things to work. And when you do things his way, there is joy and contentment and health. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Like, even in the midst when all the world around you is shaking, you're not shaking. Because there's something solid. The struggle is when we go, ah, oh, consequences are not so bad. Right, guys? You know, I'm not bothering anybody. I click this website. Right? Like, it's, it's not so big a deal. Just me and that one girlfriend, we talk about everything. It's no gossip. You hear what I'm saying to you? And we've got to stop and realize, yes, that word is totally true. It's going to confront us. There's going to be parts that we struggle with. And the consequences of sin are devastating. For those of us who have kids and family, the scripture says something to me. I've got to be honest, it horrifies me. That the sins of the father will be upon the, the first and second and third and fourth generation. That's real. That's real talk. And you go, well, that's not fair. Like, they didn't do anything. But you're not God, and I'm not God. And that is the way it works. It's a matter of will we work in within those parameters. Right? This whole journey of being who God's called us to be is it's about submission. And so let me just say, the passions, being having parameters, let me go there for just a second. Our sexuality, used outside of God's design, will affect us, but it will also affect the generations to come. There's a parody that we are called to, and it's not because God's up there going, <laughs> I just want to suffer. It's not because he doesn't want you to have fun. It's because he wants you to have fun continually, not for just a few minutes. Right? Like, we've got to go and get away from these lies. So the devil then, the next step, now the devil's got us in a place where the devil accuses God of evil intent. 
right? God's not for you. He's against you. Line number three sounds like this. Righteousness is always boring, and sin is always fun. And I use the word that it's so important. Always. That's how we all sin is fun for a short time period. Right? You know, I've had these conversations with my kids over and Listen, you want to go out there and party and drink it? You're going to have fun. Like, you're going to have a good time. You're going to have silly stories. You're going to talk about all this stuff. But in the end, Scripture says it's going to bring death to you in that scenario. Right? But you hear what I'm saying to you. And so he gets us to this place where he actually accuses God of evil. Psalm 16. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of what? Of joy. Fullness of joy. Say it again. There's nothing out there that will bring you joy. There's stuff out there that will bring you fun on a temporary basis, but there's nothing out there that will bring you joy. Joy is something deep inside of your soul that I can't even describe to you. It's a settling. It's a sitting down. It's a stop from striving so hard because I know who my God is. I know who I am, and I submit to what he's told me to do. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Not pleasures temporarily. Pleasures forevermore. Some people in our culture today are spreading this lie. If God loves you, he would just let you be you. Get behind the iPod. All of a sudden, they talk. And he looked at the heart of the creator. And he goes, yeah, I don't want to be a car. I want to be a paperwork. That's how silly we look when we do this thing. You know, God will, he, he probably would want just what made me happy. Can I say this to you? Unashamedly, God doesn't want you to be happy. More than he wants you to have character. See, God's not in the happiness business. It's not all joy and happy and all of this stuff. Listen to me. God's building something inside of you that's deeper than happiness. It's called joy. It's got a depth and a breath to it that is so much more than you could ever think or imagine. And yet I have, for years, I chased happiness. Only to find myself completely empty, right? So let me say to you this way. The most loving thing that our God does is call us out of sin. That's the most loving thing he does. Not because he's trying to point his finger. Not because he's trying to put a finger in our chest and say, you stink and you need to get your stuff together and all this. That's not what it is. That's not what it is. See, God is not a disciplinarian. He's calling us to a better life. I promise it's better. If you would confront and deal with those lies inside of you. So the next time, the next step in the road, down the road of lies, the devil advertises that sin is actually beneficial. But that's the next step. Like it, not just the idea that it's okay, but that you believe lie number four. Your life will be better with you leaving it. Your life will be better with you leading it. This is why we think we should follow our feelings. 
I've said this a lot, and you're going to hear me say it a whole lot more. You cannot trust your feelings. You can't trust your feelings. Feelings are not commands. Feelings are signals. Right? Sometimes there's something wrong, but if I followed my feelings, I would not be your pastor, y'all. If I followed my feelings in the left lane, Joe would be taking care of me at Coleman. You cannot trust your, your, your feelings. We don't follow our feelings. We follow a faith. We'll say that again. We don't follow feelings. We follow our faith. I put my trust in the creator of the universe. And even when it seems crazy, and even when it seems sacrificial, the silly word that we use is, oh, poor me, I can't do this or I can't do that. How, come on, first world problems. Like, God... He's got something more than our feelings. Your feelings will continually lie. Please let me encourage you to be very concerned about whatever comes out of your mouth after these words. Ready? I feel. Are you tracking with me? Well, yeah, but I think that. Right? And the question is not what I think. And the question is not what I feel. The question is, what does God say? What is God's best? Am I trading away? When you're mad at your spouse, you're possibly going to say the D word. Divorce. Probably not something you should act upon. When you're mad at your kids or a co-worker, you're going to want to send them into another state. Probably not a good idea. Right? We, can't, we can't trust our feelings. Listen to me. Choices lead and feelings follow. Choices lead and feelings follow. If we follow our feelings, we make bad choices. Choices lead and feelings follow. That's what discipline is. That's what it means to be a disciple of Christ. That I do what he says. I make a choice to do what he says. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Right? I choose it. And guess what? The feelings will then follow. But the feelings are not going to lead. They shouldn't lead. They're not supposed to lead. Young people will then say to me, they have a pastor, right? But I was with that. Oh, love. And I go, no, that's a stupid idea. Because love is not a ditch. No, I'll end the love. You hear what I'm saying to me? Listen to me. You choose to love someone for the rest of your life. My wife honored somebody yesterday. I'll honor her again. Because Carrie and Molly Noreen love those people. We lost Carrie last year. It was a big loss to our church. But what most of you don't know about that amazing loving relationship, and if you ever saw them together, they were amazing. Loved each other, served each other, cared for each other. You know what? That was an arranged marriage. Well, that just rocked your world a little bit longer. Because we got, whoa, what? Excuse me? Because we got America, we're so my choice. I, I, you can't, don't tread on me. I have freedom. I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm a citizen of the United States of America. And what I need you to hear, listen to me. Because they don't lead with your feelings. You lead with your choices. 
You look at the character of someone. Let me talk to the young people so for a moment. You look at the character of someone, and I don't care how you feel about them. If the character's not there, it's going to go bad. It's going to go the wrong direction. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? If you make the right choices, feelings will follow. The entire journey of being a follower of Jesus is about submitting to his ideas, his ways, even when I don't feel it. I'm going so far as to say, you know what, I don't like it. Anybody like turn the other cheek? No. Anybody like pray for your enemy? Come on, are you honest? I mean, maybe I'm just a horrible person. You don't want to be than me. But not for a spot when you're like, pray for your enemies. It's like, okay, God, give them dead gloves. Right? I mean, right? But it's a submission to our king. It's the submission to Jesus that brings something it's hard to even describe. You have to experience it for yourself. But look at 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Can I encourage you with something? How about we stop calling this, just because it's going to help us mentally and emotionally, how about we stop calling this the sanctuary? This show is an auditorium in a high school. You are the sanctuary. Right? Because ever since... We had the big blow-up, right? With Jesus down on the cross and the Holy Spirit coming. Now the Holy Spirit gets deposited into you. And your body is the sanctuary. Your body is the temple. So you know what happened? The body of Christ brought sanctuary into this auditorium this morning. Do you hear the difference? You are, you are the sanctuary. Do you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is, is in you? Whom you have received from God. You're not your own. Who are? The Bible writes. Let me ask you. Maybe you prayed a prayer. Maybe you didn't realize the prayer. But most of us that received Jesus, we said, Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. So can I say this to you? As a United States citizen, you have certain rights when it comes to this country. When it comes to the overall of your life, if you have given your life to Jesus, you have the rights. Scripture says I am a slave, a bondservant to Christ. But whatever, whatever you want, God, wherever you want, whenever you want, however you want. That's what it means for us to have relationship and submission to Him. And on your own, you're bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your lives. Because our sinful nature is going into this life. We look at giving things up uh, that the Bible says to give up as sacrifice. Right? I'll just be sacrificial for Jesus. Come on. We don't do that. We don't get our little holy pious, you know, hat on. Just me. Mm. Listen to me, this is so good for you to hear. Giving up something now for something better later is not sacrifice. It's investment. I'll say that one more time. Giving up something now for something better later isn't sacrifice. That's called investment, somebody. Come on. And good investors know 
you get good return when you do good investments. So I say, I've said it this way to my girls since they were little. Most things in this life are better later. Wait till the time. Wait till the proper moment. I know right now I got teenagers, right? Hormones. Listen to that promise, it's better later. Yeah, I can't force you to do that, but I'm just telling you, it's better later. It's better if you wait till the proper time. It's better if you do it the way God designed it, right? We do this in all kinds of areas of our lives. We diet now to look better later. Come on, y'all. Somebody's already starting to work on your summer bikini body. I'm talking about some guys. No kidding. But we put away the money so that we can have a college fund for kids later. But we fail to see when it comes to relationships. We say this. Catch this. We say, live it up. Do everything you can because one day you're going to be tied down to one person. That's the message of our culture. And I say this to you, that's the message sometimes we accidentally give to our kids. How about we do this? How about we teach to tie down now? That you might be able to live it up with the one that God gives you forever later. Do you hear the difference? See, that's, that's what it is. It's not sacrifice. It's investment. It's investment. Most things are better Later, I'm going to say it one more time, giving up something now for something better later isn't sacrifice. It is what? Investment. Let me get this thing. The devil used shame to create shame. Now, at this point, now we get to the place of shame. And that's what happens in Adam and Eve. We get to this place of shame. And it ultimately destroys relationships. Here's a lie number five. And some of you are here. And I need you to hear. This is a lie from the depths of hell. This is not true. Lie number five is this. It's too late. Run and hide. That is a lie from the depths of hell. There are some of you that are probably trying, you know, Pastor, this is a really good teaching. About 10 or 20 years too late. And I need you to hear something. My God is a redeemer. He's a redeemer of time. He's a redeemer of brokenness. I don't care if you're 78 years old, sitting here, you're a senior, you're like, yeah, well, and I need you to hear something that can redeem every bit of that and give you fulfillment like you've never seen before in this areas of our life that we need to submit back to him and understand that. Some of you feel that shame right now. Some of you maybe think that God's disgusted with you. Nothing can be further from the truth. Remember his response to Adam and Eve? He's calling. He's calling. If I could stop just for a moment and say every one of your names, I want you to hear God's voice. Calling. Not calling like, like, you know, in my house, if I got a weapon with me, how'd that call? Right? It's common to say that. Come back. We'll, we'll work it out. We'll work it out. I want you just where you are. Yeah, you're, you're not perfect. If you're broken, there's stuff, and you look at this thing and you go, man, it's just way too far. And I think you underestimate the power of my God. 
You don't underestimate the power of what he might do to a submitted heart that truly comes back to him. Team, you guys go on out and we start getting ready to close this in worship. We read this in Psalm 34. Uh, Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. And that's good. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. These next few words are amazing. No shadow of shame. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. I need you to hear something. There is no degree of sin that makes God go, oh, that's too much. As a matter of fact, there are no degrees of sin. This is one of those things that's just weird for us to understand. That stealing a pencil is just as grievous as some other big thing that we might put somebody away for life. See, because it's not about the actual act. It's about a broken relationship with God. And his desire is not to fix you and to get your stuff together and all this. So many of us have this grew up in churches where a man was just like, you suck, and you're a sinner. Be built or be grooved, right? That's not who God is. It's not who our God is. He loves you. He wants the best for you. So I thought this. I thought of it this way. There's three possible responses that you can have to today's message. Three possible ways that you can respond to this today. One would be defensiveness. I was made this way. I can be who I want to be. That's true, you can. And I'm saying these things not to be ugly to you this morning. I'm saying these things because I want true joy to come into your soul. That's the only way to get there. So you can be a little defensive today. I've, I've cried a little bit today. I've touched a bit today. The bigger kind of tough, old sensitive. I got that. Jesus said these words, Luke 22, 42, not my will, but yours be done. I challenge you to consider that. Here's another possible response to today. Remorse. Remorse. I just get in my spirit. That's a big response today. As we look back over our lives, and I look back over my life, thinking about this, and I think about what I did here, and what I did there, and God, why did I... You know, we get to that place and the devil starts accusing us. And the pastors, Romans 8, 1 and 2, back to God's truth. So now, there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. In other words, when you submit your life to Jesus and you really give your life for the first time and say, that's it, oh, you're, you're Lord. I don't just want to get out of a free ticket. Your Lord, well, how do you want me to live? I will submit to what your word says. When you do that, listen to me, there is no condemnation. Like, I, I think we think we're going to come to God, and it's just going to be this whole, like, we're going to just go through the list of all the things you've done, and how you messed up here, how you did there, and all that kind of stuff. And what I need you to hear is the story of the prodigal son is not about the son coming back and the father going, well, Jesus, Jesus, this, right? He's just 
is of God's. He says, of God's, that's who God is. And his Holy Spirit is crying out to some of you this morning and saying, come home. Come home. Come home. Because I love you. And I want something better for you. I can give you a joy that's unexplainable. You'll have a submit to it. Jesus did not come to point out your sin. He came to call you out of it and to free you from it. So then that was just to the last response, and that is what we're called repentance. That you might repent today. That you might understand repentance is just a choice to turn around. All repentance means is I'm going this way, and I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm now going this way. That's all it means. Like most of us have seen it on a sign on the side of the road, repent. You're going to hell. And so we have this negative idea. Repentance is the greatest word in the scripture. That God would love you so much that he gives you the option to turn around and make a choice. Right? That he gives you that possibility. Second Corinthians 7 and 10. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret about an amen, right? The worldly sorrow brings death. Like I said, maybe not that physically, but maybe that your marriage violence. Why is it your kid? Listen, let me say it to you this way. Repentance is a moment of pain. Because we have to acknowledge and admit, I'm outside of a healthy relationship with my father. That hurts, right? I was blessed enough to get a phone call from one of my foster kids this week. Who I talked to in a while that was up. I'm in a mess and I need you. I got the chance to just love on you. Say, God still, God still loves you, and I still love you, and you matter, and I'm proud of you. And that's what God wants to do in you today. Right? He just wants you to come back. But repentance is a moment of pain. When last time I went to pick that phone up, I can't imagine he was like, oh, yeah. Right? I can imagine it was a, how's he going to respond? And, I did so many stupid things, and I disappointed here, and I did them. Repentance is a moment of pain, but listen. But but unrepentance is a lifetime of pain. I don't don't want you to live in that lifetime of pain anymore. I want you to repent. I want you to recognize that the enemy's been lying to you in certain areas, maybe in relationships or in your relationship with God today. And how about we ask God to help us make those things right today? But we push away the lies, the lies of the enemy. No, that Bible is not outdated. No, it is not personally true. It is all true. Sometimes that's hard and weird. And... When you submit your life to the creator of the universe, when you look beyond your feelings and you walk out of faith, I cannot describe to you the joy, the contentment, and the adventure that I will bring to your life. It's great. I asked God to help us do that today. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for conviction. You challenge us all. There's probably people all over this room that have different areas of their lives that Holy Spirit, you brought up to them right now. And so we step into this moment of 
conviction. We step into this moment of feeling the weight of something, knowing that you still love us, still want to have a relationship with us. So we thank you for that. And we step into that moment and say, God, I repent. I ask you to break this bondage of sin upon me. I ask you to break unhealthy habits in my relationships. I ask you, God, to give me strength to go above and beyond my feelings, my wants, and my desires. That I might live the way you've designed me to live and see the fullness of my story played out. Because that's all I need. With your eyes still closed, there may be some of you today that you never have had a day when you said, Jesus, I need to make you Lord of my life. And if that's you today, I just want you to know, God, he's not frowning, he's not disgusted with you. As a matter of fact, he's standing out with his arms wide open going, I got you, and I love you, and I've been waiting for this moment. And it's just about you making a decision, some decision, maybe something like this. Jesus, today, I give you my life. I understand you differently today. So I surrender my life, not just for you to be my Savior, but for you to be Lord. I make you in charge. I will choose to confront my own sin and live life in the way that you have designed for me to live it. So I surrender my heart to you today. Thank you for forgiving my sins. That's the side of I'm going to follow you. We pray that in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love to help you on your next steps. Please visit cotlakes.com. Join us weekly as we continue to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in our community.